0: Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global
1: epidemic. These are their stories. Hey, Cardio Nerds family. It's Dan Ammeter here. Join us again for this novel adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American guidelines. This is a collaboration between the CardiNerds, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, Cardio Nerds is a fellow founded, independent, educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And hey, hope you are enjoying the intro music. Custom Mix for Cardio Nerds by student Dr. Hirsch Tellhetz, aka DJ Elhetz, medical student at USC and CardioNerds Nerds Academy intern of House Thomas. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. <laughs> The following question refers to section 4.7 and figure 16 of the 2021 ESC cardiovascular prevention guidelines. The question is asked by student Dr. Shivani Reddy, answered first by fellow at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, Dr. Rick Ferraro, and then by expert faculty, Dr. Roger Blumenthal. Dr. Roger Blumenthal is professor of medicine at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, where he is the director of the Ciccaroni Center for the Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease. He was incredibly instrumental in developing the 2018 ACC AHA cardiovascular prevention guidelines. Dr. Blumenthal has also been an incredible mentor to cardio nerds from our earliest days. Welcome, Dr. Blumenthal. Thanks so much, Dan.
2: Great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Blumenthal. We're really excited to learn from you today. We've got a wonderful set of questions, so let's go ahead and get started with our first one. We have Miss KM, who is a 40-year-old woman presenting to the outpatient clinic for a routine physical exam, required for her employment as an airline stewardess. She states she has been in her usual good health, but does experience occasional headaches and lightheadedness while in flight. On exam, her BP was noted to be 170 over 90. The diagnosis of hypertension is confirmed during the subsequent clinic visit. What would be the most appropriate initial therapy recommendation for Miss KM? Option A initiate single drug therapy with a beta blocker. Option B, discuss and initiate lifestyle interventions. Option C, initiate two-drug combination therapy with a thiazide-like diuretic, beta blocker, calcium channel blocker, or an androtensin receptor blocker. Or option D, both B and C, which constitute the lifestyle interventions as well as the two-drug combination therapy. So, Rick, could you help us out here and tell us what would be best for Ms. Cam?
3: Yeah, absolutely, Shivani. And this is a great question and really highlights, I think, some of the important points in the ESC guidelines that we're going to cover along with a hero of mine, Dr. Blumenthal, today. So, the correct answer in this case is D, both B and C, meaning discuss and initiate lifestyle interventions as well as initiate two-drug combination with a thiazide-like diuretic, beta-blocker, calcium channel blocker, ARB. The reason for that are a couple, and I'm going to get into them kind of over the course of the next few minutes. Lifestyle interventions are, of course, indicated for all patients with high normal blood pressure or hypertension because they can delay the need for drug treatment or complement BP-lowering drug treatments. And this is a class one recommendation by the guidelines. Moreover, most lifestyle interventions have health benefits far beyond their effects on blood pressure, which, again, if you reference the guidelines, are discussed in a bit more detail. Single drug therapy is rarely enough to achieve optimal blood pressure control, particularly in a patient such as this, who's quite above where we would consider the normal range. And and we'll discuss what our goals are, I think, in a later question of this segment. Therefore, initial antihypertensive therapy with a combination of two drugs, preferably a single pill combination, is recommended for the management of hypertension, and this is a class one recommendation by the guidelines. The only exception to this case would be patients with a baseline blood pressure that's relatively close to recommended targets who might achieve the target with a single drug, or patients who are very old, above the age of 80 years old or very frail, and may not tolerate a drug combination or may better tolerate a gentler reduction in blood pressure. The five major classes of blood pressure-lowering drugs that we focus on here and that have shown benefit in reducing cardiovascular events are ACE inhibitors, angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers, or ARBs, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, and thiazides, or thiazide-like diuretics. A combination of ACE inhibitors or ARBs and a calcium channel blocker or thiazide-like diuretic is the preferred initial regimen for most patients with hypertension, and that's a class 1 recommendation. For those in whom treatment recommendation requires escalation to three dogs, a combination with ACE inhibitor or ARB with a calcium channel blocker and a thiazide-like diuretic should be used. That is also a class 1 recommendation. Resistant hypertension is defined as blood pressure being uncontrolled despite treatment with optimal or best Tolerated doses of three or more drugs, including a diuretic and confirmed ambulatory blood pressure monitoring. Spironolactone is the most effective drug for lowering blood pressure and resistant hypertension when added to existing treatment. However, the risk of hyperkalemia is increased in patients with CKD or chronic kidney disease. When spironolactone is not tolerated, amelioride, alpha blockers, beta blockers, or other centrally acting drugs such as clonidine have evidence supporting their use. Renal denervation and device-based therapies may be considered in specific cases as well. Beta blockers should be used when there is a specific indication, as is often the case with cardiovascular patients, such as angina, post-myocardial infarction, arrhythmia, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, or as an alternative to ACE inhibitor, or ARB in women of childbearing potential combinations of an ACE inhibitor or an ARB are not recommended because they have no added benefit or outcome, as well as increased risk of harm. And that's a class three recommendation to use an ACE inhibitor and ARB in combination by the guidelines. Management of hypertension in women is an important consideration, and the diagnosis and treatment of hypertension in women is very similar to that in men, with the exception of women of childbearing potential or during pregnancy because of potential adverse effects of some of the drugs on the fetus, particularly in the first trimester. In addition, the effect of oral contraceptive pills on the risk of developing or worsening hypertension should be considered in this population. So overall, the main takeaways here are that combination drug therapies are more effective in lowering blood pressure than monotherapy agents and have a class 1 recommendation by the European Prevention Guidelines. Blood pressure management in women is similar to that of men, with the exception of those with childbearing potential, given the potential teratogenicity of certain agents. So at this point, I'm going to kick it over to Dr. Blumenthal. I'm sure you know that we have talked a lot about the guidelines and kind of dug into that. But being an expert, I'm really excited to hear what you have to add here, Dr. Blumenthal.
0: Rick, as you know, I always like to frame things in the ABC format. And uh, way before your time, there was a singing group called the Jackson Five. And they had a song, ABC, simple as one, two, three. And I've been told that Dr. Ambender tends to hum along in the cath lab with the lyrics there. But If you think of things in that format, you say A for assessment of risk and antiplatelet slash anticoagulant therapy and then B for blood pressure, which is our topic here. And you want to deal with blood pressure by thinking lifestyle, namely diet and weight and exercise, as well as medication. So From a guideline point of view, with our U.S. guidelines, we took the tack that, you know, a single blood pressure lowering agent typically can lower blood pressure 10 millimeters of mercury, maybe 15 with a little bit of lifestyle improvements. When you have, just as you said, if you're 20 points higher from your target goal, which is typically 130 over 80, it makes sense to go with that two drug combination, and I would say, Rick, that most cardiologists for our patients and for ourselves if we had high blood pressure would use a RAS blocker, so either an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, and then either a calcium channel blocker like amlodipine or a diuretic. And for people who have harder to control blood pressure, there's a lot of good data, as you know, that clorthalidone is a longer lasting and, and more potent than HCTZ. So even though our focus is going to be on getting a two-drug combination, we still want to work hard and trying to think with that patient, you know, what's in their diet in terms of sodium content, sweets, things that may have uh, sodium in it that they may not think of. Most people think of it's just chips and pretzels, but there's so many desserts and breads and things of that nature, the salty six, like the American Heart Association talks about. So things that we can really improve, and then also the exercise. For a lot of people who haven't been exercising, we usually say, let's try to get 15 minutes sometime before uh, noon of a moderate to brisk walk and another 15 minutes later in the day. And we do a nice you know, history about if they have access to exercise equipment or home equipment. And so I think that two-pronged approach of thinking diet for sodium, losing weight if they're overweight, and then the exercise is gonna be so important. So bottom line, two-drug combination if you need to lower the systolic by 20 millimeters or or more. And really, for all patients, if you're thinking of starting them in a blood pressure, cholesterol, or diabetes medicine, there's probably something that we can learn more about their lifestyle habits and how to improve them.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Blumenthal. There were so many wonderful clinical pearls there, and it definitely helps us better understand how we should manage patients like Ms. KM.